Edwards III, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. So imagine a non-Christian friend of yours comes up to you and asks a question about our faith, one that gets right to the heart of our faith, about who God is. He asks you about the Holy Trinity. So Christian, what is this all about, this idea that there are three persons and only one God? What does that mean? Three equals one. Does that mean they're really just three persons, so that means there's three different gods? Or is it more like there's just one God, but you give him three different names, you know, kind of like people may call me Edward, they may call me Ted, they may call me Dr. Sri, but there's really just one me. I just have three different names people call me, and maybe that's what you Christians do with your God. So there's just one God, but sometimes you call him Father, sometimes you call him Son, sometimes you call him Holy Spirit. Is that what you mean by the Holy Trinity? What would you say to your friend? How would you explain the belief in the Trinity, and what difference does it make? Does it really make any difference whether there is a trinity or not? Whether we believe that God is just one, one solitary God, or whether he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a trinity, or if he exists as a quadrity or a duity, does it really matter? We're going to be looking at that in this week's episode here. And I am today in Newark, New Jersey, where I'm doing a retreat for the Missionary of Charity Sisters here in the Eastern Region. Uh, this is Mother Teresa's order. They do such amazing work giving their lives completely to the poorest of the poor throughout the world. So if you can say a prayer for them and for our retreat, I'd greatly appreciate it. But we're going to be talking about the mystery of the Trinity today. And I want to stress, it is a mystery. This is not something that our minds can fully grasp here on earth. We're not going to fully exhaust the mystery of the Trinity in this episode. We're not going to be able to exhaust it if we had all of uh, all the rest of our lives to contemplate it. We're really spending, uh, God willing, we'll be spending uh, all of eternity contemplating and adoring uh, the Holy Trinity. Uh, so while it is a mystery, I will say that God has revealed this mystery to us through Jesus and the scriptures and his church. Uh, nevertheless, we can apply our mind to it. The mysteries aren't completely beyond uh, our, our mind. We can we can use our reason to try to understand, begin to understand the mysteries, and that's what I want to try to do today. I want to offer you uh, two very simple ways uh, that I found very helpful for initial conversations with people uh, about the Holy Trinity, just to kind of set up the discussion. It doesn't answer every question. This isn't like a foolproof apologetics, but but I find it helpful just to get people to see that, okay, they're, they're, this could be reasonable. I still may have questions, but I can be begin to, to to listen to you now, uh, I think is a, maybe a good way of looking at this. So one, one way is to simply highlight um, something that we can find in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 1 John 4, 8 tells us God is love. God is love. And, and think about that. For love to exist, there must be a lover, someone who loves, and then there's someone receiving the love, a, a beloved, and then there's the shared love between the lover and the beloved. Well, that's what we have with God. God is love. And, and within his very life, he had the, 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 the God the Father loves his son, uh, the Son is the beloved Son, and, the, and there's the shared love between the Father and the Son, which is the Holy Spirit. Uh, and again, that doesn't answer all the questions by any means, but I think it just helps to frame the conversation. If, if God is love, then there must be a lover, uh, a beloved, and a shared love. And, and I think that uh, can help tee up a conversation about the Holy Trinity. But going a step further and, get, and getting a little deeper into this topic, I like turning to an approach 
uh, that's really inspired by St. Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor of the church. Uh, Aquinas helps us to consider how God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything perfectly. He knows even himself perfectly. Now, what would that mean for God to know himself perfectly? Now, just first of all, think about what it means for us. Uh, If right now you were to close your eyes and think about yourself and have a a certain picture in your head about yourself, a thought about yourself, uh, you know yourself pretty well. That would be pretty close to who you are, but you wouldn't say that that thought is you. Uh, you, you, it's just it's just an idea that you have uh, of yourself. But with God, it's different. You see, if God knows everything perfectly, even himself perfectly, then all that's in him must be in that idea that he has of himself. Uh, that, that thought he has of himself must be a, a perfect mirror image of himself. Um, all that's in him must be in that idea of himself, or he doesn't know himself perfectly. Uh, I want to share with you an insight from one a popular Catholic writer of the last century, Frank Sheed, in his wonderful work, uh, Theology and Sanity, he says this uh, about this aspect of, of God knowing himself. He says, quote, The idea that God has of himself cannot be imperfect. Whatever is in the Father must be in his idea of himself and must be exactly the same as it is in himself. Otherwise, God would have an inadequate idea of himself, which would be nonsense. Uh, so it, it, it's this very thought of himself, this image of himself, um, that the Christians call God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Uh, now, where do we get the idea of the Holy Spirit, though? So God is not just all-knowing, he's also all-loving. And so uh, God looks upon, God the Father looks upon this image of himself, the Son, uh, and, he, and he gives himself in love to the Son, pouring out all that he is in love to the Son. And the Son, in return, looks upon the Father with great love and pours himself out, all that he is in love to the Father. And so this very outpouring of love between the Father and the Son is so real. It's a third person. It is the Holy Spirit. All that's in the Father and the Son, they pour out in love to each other. And that outpouring of love what some of the, 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 the great saints have called the breath of love between the Father and the Son, or the kiss of love between the Father and the Son, is the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I think more practically for us, we want to understand what difference does this all make from my life? I mean, okay, whether I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, or the Holy Trinity, does that make a difference for my day-to-day life? And I would say, yes, absolutely, because we're made in the image and likeness of this God, the Holy Trinity. And we get a glimpse of this right on the first page of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, after God creates the sun, the moon, the stars, the sea, the, the animals, he creates man and woman in his image and likeness. But listen to what God says in Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now notice God is using the first person plural here, let us create man in our image after our likeness. Now, why is God speaking first person plural? Well, uh, St. Augustine says it's God speaking with the angels who are helping him bring about the material visible world. Uh, And I think that's certainly there. Uh, But as many of the early Christians have seen, this is one of the first allusions, one of the first hints to God's inner life is the Holy Trinity. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they say, let us make man in our image 
after our likeness. And that highlights something very important for us. You see, we're made in the image and likeness not just of some vague deity, some higher power, some supernatural force like in Star Wars up there. No, no, no. We're made in the image and likeness of the Holy Trinity, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and, and that tells, uh, tells me a lot about my life. You see, I'm made to live like the Trinity. St. John Paul II said this idea of our being made in the image and likeness of the Trinity, uh, of being made in the image and likeness of God, that has a Trinitarian character. We're meant to live in, like a, in, for a communion of love. We're made to live self-giving love, like the very inner life of the Trinity. God made us this way. We're wired this way. Uh, we're made for self-giving. So as I'm here in Newark, New Jersey, and uh, working with the Missionaries of Charity Sisters here, I think of uh, a famous quote from their founder, St. Mother Teresa, along these lines. Mother Teresa saw this profound reality of how we're made for self-giving. We're made to pour out our lives in sacrifice like Christ did, to live total self-giving love like the Holy Trinity. She once said this. She said, unless a life is lived for others, it's not worth living. Unless a life is lived for others, it is not worth living. You see, we're made to live for others, for God, and for our neighbor, and for the people God has placed in our lives. That's what we're made for. And we're only going to find our happiness to the extent that we pour out our lives in love of God and others. Uh, St. John Paul II often quoted a line from Vatican II along uh, along these lines here. He said, um, man finds himself only when he makes himself a sincere gift to others. We will find ourselves, we'll find our fulfillment, we'll find our happiness, we come more fully alive when we give of ourselves in love. You know, here's the challenge, though. Instead of living like the Trinity, instead of living self-giving love, looking outward to pour out our lives to God and to other people, our modern world gets us to turn inward and, and, and to look at what other people do for us. Uh, instead of living self-giving love, we tend to approach life and the people in our life uh, with a self-getting perspective, self-getting. What do I get out of this? Is this fun for me? Is this interesting for me? Uh, am I going to have a good time? You know, Is this going to be enjoyable for me? Is it going to be comfortable for me? We tend to look at and evaluate the people and opportunities in our lives more in terms of what I get out of it. Will I get more money from this? Do I get more fame? Will I get more success? Will it be more fun and entertaining? Uh, will I get sexual pleasure from this? Do I get more stuff and possessions from this? Um, when we live that kind of grasping, that kind of self-getting love, we're never going to be happy. And so I think this idea of God existing as a holy trinity is so helpful for us to remind us of where our true happiness is going to be found. You know, it reminds me of a, a great man, St. Augustine, and uh, I've been blessed to teach at the Augustine Institute in Denver, Colorado. He's our great patron, and we spent a lot of time thinking about his life, and we, we chose his name, St. Augustine, is, is the patron of our institute, in part because his story is, is the story of modern men and women today. Uh, he was made for self-giving love, like all human persons are, but in his early life, he did not live that out. He lived more for that self-getting, what he would get out of it. He was an amazing teacher and scholar and had tremendous success in life. He was always looking for, for honors and prestige. In fact, he won many positions of honor, including a, a noble teaching position in the royal court in the Roman Empire. Uh, he also sought 
a, a, a very vivacious uh, social life. Uh, he had many friends, experienced fine food and fine drink, many parties, and sexual pleasure with many women. So he had the kind of social life many people in his age would have envied. Uh, and so on the outside, it looked as if, man, this man, Augustine, he, he's got it all. He's got everything the world offers, fame, money, prestige, success, women, social life, all these wonderful things. And on the outside, it looked like he had it all together. But in his autobiography, in his confessions, he reveals what was really going on on the inside. On the inside, he was aching. On the inside, he experienced many insecurities, many fears, many frustrations, many doubts. Uh, And in his famous line that opens up the whole autobiography known as the confessions, he says, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, our God, our God. You see, he, he had it all together in terms of what the world offers, self-getting love. He, he got a lot of stuff out of this world, but it didn't satisfy him because he was made for something more, something greater. His heart was still restless inside because we're made for self-giving love. We're made to live like the Holy Trinity. And God, who is love, wants us to share in his love. And he loves us so much, he showed us the way, not just in his word, not just in his law, not just in his scriptures. He even sent his son to become one of us, to show us how to live. And Jesus's whole life is all about self-giving love as he's constantly seeking the poor and the sick and the suffering to go out into the to the peripheries to give himself in love to those in greatest need. We see it especially on Good Friday when he goes all the way to the cross to die for our sins. That is the picture of love. That's the picture of our God who is love. That that that's a window into God's inner life is the Holy Trinity. What what is God's inner life all about? Look at the cross. It's all about this total self-giving love. What is your life all about? What is my life all about? Look at the cross. Because we're made in the image and likeness of that God. We're made for that kind of self-giving. And here's the great mystery is then when we pour out our lives like Jesus did on Calvary, like the Holy Trinity does for all eternity, when we do that, we don't lose anything. We gain something so much more. We gain the great fulfillment and and living uh, 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 the meaning and purpose of our lives. We find so much more when we live love. You see, when when I give stuff away, if I were to give a book away or give you a $10 bill or or give you my computer, I don't have a computer anymore. I don't have that book anymore. I don't have that $10 bill anymore. That's how most exchanges work in life. I give it away. I don't have it anymore. But that's not the case with love. Love is infinite. The God who is love is infinite. So the more I give love, I don't lose anything. Actually, my life is enriched. My life grows. My life becomes fuller because that's what I'm made for. So my friends, as we're looking at this topic of the Holy Trinity, I'm drawing from uh, the first chapter of my one of my books, by the way. It's called Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explained. And I'm hoping from time to time to just work through different aspects of the Catholic faith, do a little apologetics, do a little personal application. So um, this is one of those times, and I'll draw from this book again called Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explained. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I ask you a favor? Would you would you rate it on iTunes or uh, wherever else you may be listening to it? I, I've, I've heard that, that that really helps get the word out about it. So if you could take some time... 
uh, to rate the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Please be assured of my prayers for all of you as I'm praying with the wonderful Missionary of Charity Sisters here in Newark uh, as I'm leading this retreat. Uh, And please pray for me and my family. It's easy to talk about love, but I know I need help living it. We all do. So thanks so much and look forward to being with you next week. God bless.